You're listening to a sermon from Darabin Presbyterian Church. Visit us online for more resources or to get in touch. This afternoon, you can find them if you, if you manage to get a song sheet. Um, and the first one comes from the Old Testament, from Isaiah 40, verses 1 to 5. Please read along with me. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling, in the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley, valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged plains fading. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And our second reading comes from the book of Luke in the New Testament, chapter 2, verses 22 through to 35. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in a child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marvelled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Thanks, Gabby. As I said before, my name is Adam, and I'm one of the pastors of Darabin Presbyterian Church. Uh, you'll find, if, it, if it's helpful, there's an outline uh, on the handout here. So if you find that helpful to use to follow on, please do so. Uh, also, the passage is there, so you can check that what I'm saying is actually what the Word of God says. Uh, as we come to think about this passage, let's uh, pray and ask God to be with us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the passages in Luke that we've been studying at this Christmas time. And we do pray that you would speak to us yet again today as we uh, study this third song from Christmas time from Luke's album. Uh, so please be with us and speak to us. Amen. Something you may not know about my home is that there tends to be lots of singing, particularly at Christmas time, because I love carols. The other day, Tracy was trying to take some short videos of a jigsaw puzzle that my daughter Charlotte had done. And in the background, you can actually hear me belting out, Oh, holy night, as I walked into the room. But it's not just at Christmas time. 
our home is often filled with song because that's how we express our joy and how we show our love for one another. I wonder how you would feel if I started doing that during my pastoral ministry at church. You know, I'm sitting with one of you at a cafe for a chat and you share about how you've decided to commit your life to Jesus and I stand up in the cafe and say, Hallelujah! Or perhaps we're chatting over the phone and you mentioned that you've gone three months without giving into temptation around that area of sin that you've struggled with for so long. And then I sing out, rejoice, come and lift your hands and raise your voice. Might feel a bit weird. In fact, you might feel a little bit weird right now. So perhaps I won't take up this practice. But what we've been seeing this Christmas time at DPC is that there was a lot of singing during the events around Jesus' birth because there was a lot of joy. We've looked at the song of Mary where she celebrated that God was going to turn the world the right side up. We've looked at the song of Zechariah who rejoiced in the news that his son John would prepare the way for God's Christ to come into the world. And today we're going to look at Simeon's song, another song of joy and wonder. The lyrics are short and sweet, but they come with great power because of their context. God's people had suffered as they waited for their Lord to act. They felt trapped and hopeless. And sadly, that's an experience that we can all relate to all too well. While Christmas is known to be a time of joy, a time for singing, it's not actually true for us all the time, is it? We're reminded of the relationships that have been strained through conflict or lost through death. We are thrust yet again into the presence of family members that we might find it hard to get along with. We're reminded that yet again another year has passed by when we haven't accomplished our goals. But there's hope. And that's why I invite you to explore Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to 35 with me, so that I can show you how a man called Simeon came to experience comfort and joy in the midst of trying times. And how he saw that God would truly give Simeon and his people help and salvation. So to set the scene, let's jump into the first main point. Simeon was looking for consolation for his people. We're introduced to Simeon in verse 25. You can have a look in the outlines. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. So this guy was a Jew and a godly one of that. Not many, in the people, not many people in the Bible are described as righteous, which means he must have been a pretty humble guy who worked hard at obeying God. He's also described as devout. We get a picture here of a man who loved God. He also loved his people. For he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. You may know that 2,000 years ago, life in Israel was pretty tough. They were under Roman rule, which led to heavy taxes and a bunch of restrictions on the Jews. Herod the Great was their king, but his greatness was less about his character and more about his wealth and his big spectacular building projects. The people groaned under their oppression and they longed for the fulfilment of prophecies from centuries past. 
Prophecies like in Isaiah 40, which we had read out to us earlier. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. God had promised that there was a time for comfort coming when the people would no longer be suffering for the sins of the nation. Despite some glimmers of hope, that time had not yet come. And so Simeon yearned for the consolation of Israel. What we also learn about this man is that the Spirit of God was upon him. He seems to have had a special relationship with God, just like the prophets. He was given insights into events that were about to unfold. Have a look at verse 26. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Simeon wasn't just waiting for Israel's circumstances to change. He was waiting for the Messiah to come. The Christ, the special anointed one who would liberate God's people and bring salvation. He would have been pretty excited because the Spirit had told him he would see the Messiah with his own eyes before he died. Now I think this probably means that Simeon was there for an old man. After all, it would be a bit weird for the Holy Spirit to say to a 20-year-old Simeon, Hey Simeon, you'll see the Lord's Messiah before you die. To which Simeon would have said, cool, hey, hey, wait, what? Why am I going to die? It makes more sense that he was elderly and that his death seemed likely. In any case, this all sets the scene for his encounter with Joseph and Mary and their baby boy. If you ever look back in verses 22 to 24, we see that this family had gone to Jerusalem for the purification rites required after childbirth. If a woman had a baby boy, she needed to wait 40 days and then offer the appropriate sacrifices at the temple for her ceremonial cleansing, which usually required offering a lamb. In verse 27, we're told that on this fateful day, the Spirit compelled Simeon to go to the temple court so he could bump into Jesus and his parents. Now, I don't know exactly how this next bit went down and whether it was all safe church approved or not, but basically Simeon sees the baby Jesus, grabs him into his arms and then bursts into song. I wouldn't recommend trying that if you just bump into people randomly out on the street. Now, as we study his lyrics that he sang, we're going to cover our next song. Simeon saw that Jesus is our salvation. I'm going to read out the whole song for us. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. This song expresses a life-changing experience for Simeon. For starters, he realised that he had finally seen the Messiah, and so he was willing for the Lord to let him die. That's what he means by saying, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. In fact, you may have heard the name of the Latin version of this song, which is something like Nunc Dimittis. It's appropriately sung in the evening at some church services because of its theme of rest and things kind of being wrapped up. 
Secondly, uh, Simeon professes that his eyes have seen God's salvation. Just let that sink in for a moment. He didn't say the person who will bring salvation. When he looks at baby Jesus, he sees a person who is God's salvation. He sees the Messiah. And he sees that God's salvation is not a set of events or a specific message, but rather a person. Jesus is God's salvation. And no wonder Simeon burst into song, because how else could he process that an infant is the saviour? Just think about it. Simeon woke up that morning and found the Holy Spirit prompting him to go to the temple courts. He feels a rush of excitement because perhaps today is the day when he will finally see the Christ. So he hurries off to the temple mountain, climbs up the steps, he enters in through one of the gates. And the outer courtyard, as usual, is buzzing with people. People who were there to bring offerings to God or just to marvel at the grandeur of the temple. Some are there to listen to teachers or to pray for healing. And as Simeon looks across the crowd, his eyes rest on face after face. Is that the Messiah, he thinks? No, not that one. What about that person? Is that the Messiah? How about that fellow over there? And finally, the Spirit guides him to a young couple holding a baby boy. They're dressed in shabby clothes because they're from a poor village up north. They couldn't even afford a lamb for their sacrifice, and so instead they had to opt for two birds. And as his eyes settle upon the face of Jesus, he sees the face of the Messiah. It just clicks for him, and he responds in faith. He doesn't point out to God that there's no way that an infant can be the Saviour. He doesn't protest that such a poor family would be unworthy of God's Christ. He doesn't question God's wisdom in all of this. Instead, he responds with faith. He responds with joy. He responds with song. This is a truly wondrous occasion. There's no surprise in verse 33, Harry and Joseph marvel at what has just been said about their six-week-old baby. This child is God's salvation. And he is a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of God's people, Israel. Simeon realises that the time for Israel's consolation has begun. Their time of waiting is almost over. Their redemption is at hand. Just as the sun's rays are the radiance and glory of the sun, Jesus is the radiance and glory of Israel. He came forth from the people of Abraham and he blessed the whole nation with his very presence. He's also the light of revelation to the Gentiles, those who are not Jews. For he reveals that salvation is for them too if they simply come to him in faith. They lived in the darkness, separated from God due to their hard hearts, their rebellion, their selfish ways. They're denying the one true God. But now through the Lord's Messiah, reconciliation with their creator is possible. In fact, this is a theme found elsewhere in Isaiah that no doubt sprung to Simeon's mind as he was singing. In chapter 49, verse 6, God says this to his servant. You can see it printed in the outline. 
It is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Well, after singing his song, Simeon then speaks to Mary with these words in verses 34 and 35. This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Have you ever listened to a song and wondered what it was actually about? Then you search online and you find there's a whole bunch of different interpretations that kind of conflict with each other and you're left really confused. It really helps when the songwriter fills you in on what they actually meant. And that's what Simeon does here. He explains what the Messiah's salvation will involve. And actually it's kind of mixed news. On the one hand there will be light and glory, there will be everlasting rising, even resurrection for some. Yet there'll also be falling and division and sinful hearts laid bare for others. And all of this will be centred on Jesus and how people respond to him. Not all of Israel will be saved by Jesus, for some will oppose him. If you've read further in Luke's account, you'll know this. And any who oppose and reject Jesus will find themselves left in the darkness. They'll remain separated from God. They will long for consolation, but they will not receive it. Yet, those who look to Jesus as their saviour will find their hearts healed, their griefs comforted, and their needs met by his help. And even though Mary doesn't know it yet, this is all leading to the cross where Jesus would achieve this. That's what's hinted at in those chilling words. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. Her son will experience suffering and oppression and ultimately death. It will break Mary's heart. But as her son's body is broken on the cross, he will secure salvation by sacrificing his life for all who will come to him in faith. So having tuned in to the words of Simeon's son, having explored the context, we can see that despite the hard circumstances surrounding it, even the dark times that lay ahead, it truly is a song of joy that brings comfort and help. And so on this Christmas Eve, I want us to consider how we need to follow in Simeon's footsteps. We need to look to Jesus with the eyes of faith to see God's salvation. He saw a little baby in his arms, but he also saw the Messiah. That's the lesson. You are to trust in the person of Jesus and look to him in faith, because he's the one who can bring you comfort and hope this Christmas. If you've been attending church, even for a short amount of time, then you'll know that we often speak about trusting in Jesus who died on the cross for you, who rose from the dead for you. But it's much harder to picture a helpless baby and say, trust in him. 
Yet that's what Simeon's story compels us to do. We are to trust in the person of Jesus Christ. And think about it. Simeon didn't have all of the information. And Simeon would have certainly died before Jesus commenced his public ministry some 30 years later. Now, it's not like that he would have died the moment he returned home or he kind of said, God, now you can dismiss me, gives the baby back to Mary and then keels over on the spot. But we know that he almost certainly would have died before he had a chance to hear the voice of Jesus, to see his tender care of the sick and the sorrowful. He would not have marvelled at Jesus' miracles or witnessed his excruciating death. He would not have reached out and touched the hands of the resurrected Jesus or seen him ascend to heaven to take up his heavenly throne. He had very little information, yet he had all that he needed, an encounter with the Messiah. With the eyes of faith, he saw a person who would be the salvation the world had yearned for. Simeon would have died not knowing how it all unfolded. And while we know a lot more than him, we still don't know how God's plan will ultimately conclude. We don't know who else will be saved, and so we pray for our friends and family who don't know Jesus. We don't know what griefs and joys await us in the year to come, and so we trust in a person who understands, who can comfort us, and one day gather us to his side. We don't know what struggles and moral failures will personally plague us, So we cling to the hope that one day Jesus will raise us up in glory. We don't know what will happen to our own church in the next year. But we believe that just as God brings consolation for Israel, he brings consolation to his church today. In the midst of struggles and uncertainty, disappointments and pain, are you willing to look to Jesus with the eyes of faith? As Simeon did. Because if you are, God will grow joy in your heart. And who knows, you might just find yourself bursting out into something. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful song of Simeon that shows us that we are to look to Jesus with the eyes of faith, to see that he is more than just a baby, to see that he's more than just character in a book, words on a page, but he is your Messiah who came into human history, who entered into this world, into humanity, to live and die and rise again for us, so that we might know comfort, consolation, hope, joy, help and salvation in the midst of the darkness, the trials, the perils that we face. And so as we consider the birth of Jesus this Christmas, as we think upon the baby Jesus, may we look to him with eyes of faith and see that he is our hope and salvation. Amen.